The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 87 of Some Assembly Required, your podcasting adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we are taking a look at Avengers number 82, Hostage. This week's issue is written by Roy Thomas, pencils by John Buscema, inks by Tom Palmer, letters by Sam Rosen, and it comes to us in November of 1970. Starting off with our cover, it's not a bad cover, it's just not particularly mind-blowing or memorable. Having said that, I don't have any major complaints about it. It doesn't give us any indication of what's going on in the issue, but that's not the worst thing ever, and quite honestly, having spent a lot of time reading modern comics, that's also nothing new. I am, however, a fan of the cityscape in the background, and all of the primary Avengers that are involved in this issue are present on the cover, as well as Daredevil, who is going to guest star in the issue. And in fact, all things considered, Daredevil actually has a fairly sizable role in this issue. Now, moving inside, I have no earthly idea what is going on on this opening splash page, but it is just killer. There is all kinds of crazy going on on this page with the Earth and what we will find that is Ares's head and these tentacles and this source of power or explosion coming from behind Ares. It is so crazy and I am absolutely into it. The colors are awesome. It really sells the intensity and insanity of this image and I want more of it. Unfortunately, it doesn't really tell us much again about the issue, so we're going to have to jump into the story starting with the next page, where in the early hours of September 21st, 1970, the issue is very specific about the date, the island of Manhattan begins to awaken to find a new and horrific reality. As the sun rises, the citizenry is stunned to find that they are being held hostage by a small and well-armed military force. So these first few panels do a really great job of building suspense and making the reader think that there is something truly sinister going on. The reveal is a little less impressive, at least from a visual standpoint. At least from a visual standpoint, the army in question looks a lot like something that might be found in 2000 AD, which is the British comic magazine. They do a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff. Judge Dredd is one of the most famous works to come out of that book. So keep that in mind. It's that Judge Dredd kind of aesthetic, the post-apocalyptic look when we're talking about this army. And obviously the idea of an elite army invading New York City is really pretty terrifying. It's just that the execution is a little bit rough. Also, this issue keeps calling the army small butt discipline. They say that several times throughout the issue. And they say it in such a way like these two things are normally mutually exclusive. But if anything, it should be easier to maintain discipline in a small army. Really, what it is here is an excessive use of words, which is why older comics feel so much more dense and wordy than when compared with their modern counterparts. They could have cut out that phrase several times. Quite honestly, they could have left it out completely and just trimmed the fat, as it were, on the text of the issue. Although the NYPD make a desperate stand, 
they are laid low by a gas attack and knocked unconscious by the non-lethal concoction. With the primary form of resistance under control, the army then goes about destroying bridges and tunnels and finally taking the mayor into custody. Now, of course, they're using gas instead of bullets. It makes the whole thing a little bit goofy and it lessens the threat of this army and I don't care as much for it. Now, I will say that I have to think that in 1970 it would be a little bit easier to cut off New York City, the island of Manhattan, from the outside world. You know, obviously nowadays with the internet and cell phones and things like that, you would have to try exceptionally hard to, to do this. But I also feel like even in 1970, it would have to take more men and capabilities than this small army has available to them. We see them blowing up bridges and, and tunnels, but there's a lot of bridges and tunnels going in and out of Manhattan. For anyone who's visited, there's probably a dozen different ways on and off that island. I can think of a number of them just off the top of my head. And taking out all of them would require a significant amount of effort in pre-planning and staging of demolitions. Things that would not go unnoticed. So portions of the premise here are a little bit far-fetched. Deep within the White House, the President of the United States receives a ransom demand from Ares, the leader of the criminal cartel known as Zodiac. Ares makes it clear that he and his forces are in complete control of Manhattan, having just defeated an attempt by U.S. Army paratroopers to invade the island in an effort to retake it from Zodiac. Not only was this invasion defeated, but now all the paratroopers have been added to the island's population as hostages. So in this first panel where Ares is speaking, it doesn't look like he's wearing a mask per se. That, that That's really his face, which is kind of creepy. And at first it, I, it turned me off a little bit, but then I grew to appreciate it because it's so weird. A couple panels later, however, it's very obviously a normal person wearing some kind of mask and that we're just seeing the his mouth and chin. And it's not quite as awesome. It's not quite as unsettling. And I like the, the other version, the other look a little bit better. So in addition to using gas, Zodiac is using this nerve-paralyzing force field to disable their enemies. And to me, this one is just a little bit too convenient. It's this completely invisible field that these poor paratroopers just float through and then suddenly they're unconscious. One, again, I think it minimizes the army as a real threat because they keep using all these non-lethal means. As we'll see here in a moment, Zodiac is holding the city ransom, and if they, he doesn't get the money, he's going to kill the whole population of the island. But I, I'd like to know with what. It doesn't seem like they have any lethal weapons. They're, everything they use is non-lethal, so I'm, I'm struggling here. Also, you know, paratroopers great, but like paratroopers don't really do well in like dense city environments. It's like really dangerous for them. So where's the Marine Corps? Manhattan's an island. Landing on islands is like, it's their thing. Bread and, they're bread and butter marines. Like, this is what they do. Go take the island, take the hill. Seems like paratroopers, although, you know, a cool visual, and I always, I'm always a fan of paratroopers. I think that's just, you know, the generation I'm, I'm born into, we, you know, Band of Brothers came out when I was in high school and, you know, we all became kind of fascinated with paratroopers as a result. But this really seems like a job for the marines. To make matters worse, Ares takes a moment to display the motionless figures of Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, and Quicksilver. Ares then demands $1 billion in ransom, or else he will begin to execute the entire population of the island. And as the news makes its way across the nation, the remaining Avengers, the Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man, who are all outside of Manhattan, wonder what kind of help they might be able to render being on the outside of the ensnared island. 
I find it really convenient that in a city full of heroes, everybody but these handful of Avengers, and as we'll see in a moment here, Black Panther and Daredevil are out of town. The Fantastic Four are out of town. Spider-Man is in Queens. Half of the Avengers aren't here. It's all very convenient that this small group of heroes is here. Now, unbeknownst to the invading army, the Avenger Black Panther remains free and on the run. Having recently aided Daredevil, Black Panther heads to Hell's Kitchen in order to again elicit his aid in saving the city. Unfortunately, Daredevil's alter ego, Assistant District Attorney Matt Murdock, is wanted by the occupying army. Just as they are about to take him into custody, however, Black Panther kills the lights in Murdock's office, allowing Daredevil to make quick work of the two soldiers. So Daredevil and Black Panther were working together in Daredevil number 69, which happened just before the events of this issue. If you recall the last couple of issues, Black Panther has been talking about taking on street-level organized crime because of its impact on his students. Here we see Black Panther doing just that, and in Daredevil 69, the two of them team up to take on a group of street criminals known as the Thunderbolts, no relation to the future Masters of Evil team, the Thunderbolts. I'm a big fan of that, Thunderbolts. But at any rate, the, the pair team up in order to take on this group of street criminals who is negatively impacting one of Black Panther's students by the name of Lonnie. Lonnie helps him in a crime and is severely injured in a car accident as a result. So the two go to get Lonnie's brother, who they think is involved in the gang, it turns out he's not, uh, and bring him back to Lonnie's side because Lonnie has basically given up the will to live because his brother has gone off and joined this gang. It's an interesting story. I really enjoy the kind of buddy relationship between Black Panther and Daredevil. Black Panther admits that the last time the two of them met up, he figured out who Daredevil's alter ego was. So there's a little bit of fun uh, discussion there about Daredevil's abilities and things like that between the two. There is some commentary on black nationalism kind of woven into the story that I don't necessarily care much for, especially coming from a very all-white creative team. However, it's one of those things you can take it, you can leave it. It's still an interesting story. So if you get a moment to check it out, by all means, uh, I would suggest it. Getting back to our issue, I can't quite figure out why Daredevil doesn't just take these two guys out. It's two goons. These aren't like major villains. There really isn't all of that concern for them like finding out his identity and then on top of that when the lights go out daredevil acts like someone else just magically showed up in the room it's one of those things had he just taken them out they would have been shocked and confused but the reality is they wouldn't have thought anything of it but suddenly the lights go off and daredevil shows up out of nowhere now i'm gonna start asking some questions and i, f I feel like that was a, a bad play on his part also even if you know, he hadn't taken out these goons. Black Panther shows up like two minutes later, so it probably would have worked out really no matter what. With the pair reunited, Black Panther quickly takes a moment to catch Daredevil up on the current situation, and that to the best of his knowledge, the pair are the only two heroes left free in Manhattan. The duo decide that their first objective should be to rescue the Avengers from the television studio where they're being held. Smashing their way through a skylight, Daredevil and Black Panther eliminate the waiting guards. Unfortunately for them, however, Ares has foreseen this possibility and moved the Avengers away from the studio shortly after he recorded his ransom message. Although he faces the heroes alone, Ares still holds the key to the Zodiac, his supremely powerful badge of office. Using this emblem, Ares destroys the station, knocking out Black Panther. 
Unfortunately for Black Panther, however, Daredevil fared much better in the explosion and manages to drag his comrade out of the burning building. Ares gets some solid credit here for moving the Avengers and setting up this trap. This is actually really clever. I liked this. He knew that they would come for the Avengers, so he sets a trap for any heroes that he didn't account for by moving the Avengers. You know, villains so often do dumb stuff, and this is an example of villains doing really not dumb stuff, and I like it. Again, Ares has the key to the Zodiac, which is this weird onk kind of shaped object. I'm really not even sure how to describe it. Uh, it has some kind of crazy amounts of power to it, though, because he basically blows up a building with it. It's a little bit of overkill on Ares' part. So knowing that his position is vulnerable, Ares decides to make an example of the captive Avengers as punishment for Daredevil and Black Panther's defiance. Soon, Zodiac's army has rounded up thousands of New Yorkers and herded them into Madison Square Garden in order to watch the execution. Among those in the crowd is Daredevil, once again in the guise of his alter ego, Matt Murdock. When Ares' plan becomes clear, Murdock attempts to rouse the crowd into an angry mob, hoping to overwhelm their captors. So the impression the issue gives is that they shove the entire population of New York City into Madison Square Garden. Guys, this isn't even close. The garden is big, okay? I get that. But at this point, even the beginning of the issue says there's approximately 1.6 million people in New York City. That many people is never going to fit in Madison Square Garden, no matter what you do. Now, of course, working with a full house does help amp up the fear factor, right? You can get to more people and intimidate more people at once. At the same time, we've talked about how this is a small army several times. And so concentrating that many people in a small area makes them much more difficult to control and makes it easier for them to rush their captors to rise up. So you're kind of working with the double-edged sword there. One of the other things is here is that Ares reveals he captured the Avengers by pumping gas into the air conditioning system of Avengers Mansion. So once again, Avengers Mansion has proven to be the team's greatest weakness. It's proven to be their nemesis. And at this point, Tony Stark really needs to up his security game because I am thoroughly, thoroughly unimpressed. While some of the members of the crowd join in, others are too afraid to resist. Murdoch is quickly taken into captivity by soldiers, but not before launching a fine wire out of his cane and into the machine that is holding the Avengers in suspended animation, causing it to fail. No longer immobilized, the Avengers break free of their restraints and, with the help of Black Panther and Daredevil, quickly rout Zodiac's army. Aware that he is rapidly losing control of the situation, Ares flees to his aircraft, but is pursued by Thor. Before the Asgardian Avenger is able to stop him, Ares directs the nerve-paralyzing force field around the island to begin closing in, attempting to kill everyone in Manhattan. Okay, so I guess, I guess this is how we're gonna kill everyone in Manhattan, but didn't the paratroopers pass through this field relatively unscathed, just knocked unconscious? Again here, we're, we're just, we're a little bit fuzzy on how everything is supposed to work. Now, a, a minute ago, I praised Ares for his clever thinking, and now I have to call Ares an idiot, because why does Cap still have his shield? Why does Iron Man still have his armor? Apparently, they've been planning this endeavor for months, and yet there are still some very serious holes in the plan. Like, why are we leaving the heroes with all of their equipment? Like, Tony Stark is great. 
great, but especially in this era of the comics, he's a lot less useful on the fly when he doesn't have his armor, when he's not Iron Man. You know, we don't get really get the Iron Man 3 Tony Stark here. We really get a lot more of a helpless Tony Stark. Very smart, but but he needs time and materials to, to make something out of it. We also see that this supposedly very disciplined army is breaking at really the first sign of defeat. Instead of holding their ground and fighting off the Avengers, which I would say there's an okay chance of them doing just based on numbers, they begin to fall back and then eventually it just turns into effectively a rout, which will find its way directly into the hands of the U.S. Army. So again, we, we say this small but disciplined force, but then we pull something like this and we find that they're really not all that disciplined. Catching up with the aircraft, Thor manages to land on it and uses his enormous power to destroy the plane and shut down the field. With their leader gone and a counterattack sure to begin at any moment, Zodiac's army surrenders to the U.S. Army. So apparently Thor is just absolutely done with this BS and doesn't really give Ares a fighting chance because he straight obliterates this aircraft. There is nothing left. Back at Avengers Mansion, the reunited Avengers realize that their various missions were all related, as Cornelius Van Lunt was using his land in order to train this invasion force. When the Avengers thwarted Van Lunt's plans, Zodiac was forced to move up their timetable so they wouldn't be detected by the Native Americans. Their mission complete, Daredevil bids farewell and takes his leave of the Avengers. Okay. The end of this issue pisses me off so much. The Avengers take the last page and change in a disastrous attempt to shoehorn in the conclusion to the previous two issues into this issue. Apparently, everything was connected and that this army was training on Van Lunt's land and they didn't want the locals to know about it, so that's why he was trying to buy them out. But this makes absolutely zero sense. For one, at least part of his compound was underground, meaning he could have had a lot more stuff underground, away from prying eyes. Secondly, what the Avengers are doing here is trying to tell me that Van Lunt jeopardized the entire plan because he was too cheap to put up some heavy-duty fencing and hire a couple of guards. That's really all he had to do to keep people from poking around in his land. Sure, people would love to know what's going on, but you put up a big old fence and you walk around with a bunch of guards with a bunch of big guns, they may still want to know what's going on, but they're really not going to pry. It's not all that hard to keep people away. All the problems fixed. But did Van Lunt do that? No, he was a cheapskate. Billionaire cheapskate. Where have I heard that before? So overall, this issue rubs me the wrong way in a lot of ways. The way they tried to force the connection between the last story and this story makes the ending of this issue so painful, almost to the point of unreadability. The overall plot isn't terrible, but there are some massive plot holes that you just have to accept. Because of the forced ending eating up page space, the conclusion of the hostage situation here is highly predictable and there's no room for anything but the most basic of plot and story development. All of this was choreographed exactly the way you would expect it. It's like a police procedural. Nothing is surprising. You gotta step 
A to B to C to D to the end of the episode. The same thing with this comic. And it was just frustrating and it was disappointing. Again, I mentioned last time that I would have loved to see the last two issues stand on their own. Or if they were going to connect it, at least wrap up that portion of the story on its own. But no, they refuse to do that. Instead, we get this terrible shoehorned ending that is literally just a page and a half of the Avengers sitting around talking about how everything's connected. We don't even get to see it. This is a comic book. Don't sit there and tell me, show me. I'm looking at visuals. I'm looking at art. While there are artists out there who can make people sitting around talking interesting, it takes a particularly good artist and it takes a particular type of story and script in order for that to work. And this doesn't have any of that. It is all so painful and frustrating. I really have the urge to bang my head on my desk, except for the fact that I've done that. And I, guys, I have a really solid desk and it really hurts. So I'm not going to do that. But that doesn't mean I don't have the urge to do that. That doesn't mean this issue doesn't make me want to do that. And to be honest, there's actually a fair amount of potential in this issue. You've got Black Panther and Daredevil, who, as I mentioned before, make a really awesome pairing together, especially with some of the reveals from the last issue of Daredevil. And I like the idea of these two semi-powered individuals. Right? They both have some semblance of powers, but we're not talking Thor. We're not talking the higher echelons of abilities. Right, Daredevil especially is the street-level hero, and Black Panther has a lot of those same elements. So these are not your heavy hitters, and they're forced to go up against this huge, daunting foe that we we are led to believe is nigh-invincible. And how, how these two individuals go about doing that, that's a really compelling story. Especially when you have the other Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, right, these big, heavy hitters, all taken out of the picture. And then Zodiac pulls the, the trap like he did. Oh, that was such a great moment. But you've got just these, these elements that have so much potential and you, they just did almost nothing with it because of this need to shoehorn all of it together with a story that should have already wrapped. And it just leaves so much to be desired. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Next episode, we are going to be taking a look at Avengers number 83. Come on in. The revolution's fine. All right. Hey. All right. Good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. <laughs>